0: Thanksgiving is just two days away, and we hope you're excited and ready for your turkey and your dressing and your cranberry sauce, but why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Now, we could elucidate you on the topic, but I don't think our expertise is enough. So let's bring on America's
1: Historian. We've got a treat for you. Uh, He was here in the Midlands a couple weeks ago. He's crisscrossed the country, America's Historian. David Barton.
0: We'll talk to David Barton about Thanksgiving, the Pilgrims, Jamestown, Plymouth, and all the rest. That's next on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. So I guess we'll start, Mitch, with just the simple, because here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to say something, or you're going to ask a question, and he's just going to go. Yeah. So um, what we have in... There's an interesting historical revisionism that's happening in America right now, and it goes, we can talk about the New York Times and the 1619 Project and the lack of historical context there, but more than anything, it seems like it's focusing on one side of history as opposed to factoring in the other. We've always known Thanksgiving as the day, you know, the Pilgrim's Land, Mayflower Compact Pilgrim's Land, and then they meet the Native Americans, and then they feast together, and boom, there you go. Was but
1: Snoopy a part of that in like, any way?
0: Snoopy was not. Okay. Al- although yeah. I love, I love the Thanksgiving special. All right. Now, if you could explain to folks at home who might not have uh, your latest book or haven't been to one of your talks lately, the difference we need to understand between the Jamestown settlement
2: and the Plymouth settlement, can you yeah, can it, you walk us through that? Absolutely. And, and let me hit kind of something you're talking about. They're like the 1619 project. Why? Why would history be a target? Why would anybody care uh, about whether Jamestown is accurate or not? And, and the reason is the same with your family. If your family line is all a bunch of robbers and thieves and murderers, you're not going to talk about it. If your family line is full of presidents, you're going to be really proud of what you got. And what happens with America, the 1619 Project said specifically when they came out that they're not about they're not about presenting history. They're reframing the narrative. So we want you to think differently about the whole narrative. America, we've been really pretty traditional people. Our, our traditional holidays, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Veterans Day or anything else, we celebrate that. But now if we can reframe the narrative to where you really shouldn't be celebrating that, your your ancestors are all a bunch of, of really bad guys, then it's easier to move in a different direction. I, I specifically I've got more white hair than you guys put together for sure. And I remember specifically under Reagan and and, and later on under Bush forty uh forty three that The prediction was, look, the Soviet Union's about to fall. We can tell because they're changing the way they're presenting their history. They're no longer talking about Stalin and Marx and Lenin. They're talking about different They're about to fall. And you can always tell when a nation's going to change when they start changing the way they look at their history. History is fact. It's not opinion. It actually happened or it didn't happen. And when you start creating a narrative, now you're trying to change it. So that's really what's happening now is they want America to be something that's never been before, but the only way they can do that is to make us not like who we've been for the last 400 years. And so that's what they do with the 1619 Project. They say, oh, those early settlers to America, man, they were a bunch of slave owners and they were racist and they they go through all the stuff. And yes, there were some like that, but that's not the story of America. And that's why they don't talk about the pilgrims. They do talk about Jamestown. And this has been a debate we've had in America going back in the 1800s. We've got a great map from 1800s where in school we said, yes, there was Jamestown and there was Plymouth, but Jamestown was not the significant colony. That colony only affected about 11 states. The Jamestown people affected the rest of the nation. That's the really important one. And that's the one we're cutting out. So pardon me for backing up, but that's kind of why this narrative is important. It really is important to know our history, because if you don't know it, you're going to get talked out of and you're going to become something you never intended to be. Right. We're, we're, and, and
0: let's go to uh, those pilgrims as they come over uh, and the purpose of why they came. Because, I, I again, we hear a lot of challenges, and and you've talked about this on multiple occasions, and we've talked about it on our show as well. The, the founding of America was uniquely Christian in nature, and it goes yep, yep. back to the phrasing and the words written yep. in the Mayflower Compact and and they, yep, and they yep. came here and i i can we can let you talk about this a little bit they came here specifically to advance the christian faith
2: yeah. You know, it's interesting. Even Jamestown did that. Both colonies, when you look at their founding documents, the Charter of 1606 in Jamestown, they are evangelical. They are here to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that don't know it. And when you read the Pilgrim, the Mayflower Combat, they are here to establish for the advancement of the God, for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith. They're both very evangelical. What you find is Jamestown people were not biblical. They had a professed Christian purpose, but man, did they not know the Bible? No, they had no clue about the Bible. The pilgrim people, they were professed Christian. They were evangelical, just like Jamestown, but they lived by the Bible. And we've got a whole lot of folks in America today that are in that same camp. We've got a lot of Jamestown people who, I'm a Christian, and they don't know what's in the book. They don't read the book. They don't study the book. Only 9% of Christians today— only 9% of Christians read the Bible on a daily basis. Wow. Most Christians are biblically illiterate. Uh, just talked to George Barnum this past week. He said the number is now only 4% of American Christians have a biblical worldview. Wow. So we're saying out of professing American Christians, only 4% are pilgrims, 96% are Jamestown. And that that 96%, they get talked into whatever the culture's doing, whatever. And that's what Jamestown was. They were a bunch of Christian people that conformed to the culture around them. The pilgrims came in and said, no, 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 the culture's wrong. We're going to change the culture. And so they did it on the basis of the Bible. An interesting thing about the pilgrims, there's a lot of old pictures, and I brought some. So these are bigger pictures than what you want to see, but I think the visual helps. Let me pick it up real quick here. This is a picture of the pilgrims from back early. People have probably seen that picture. What's interesting, you cannot find a single pilgrim in this picture that does not have a Bible in their hand. Every one of these guys, there's a Bible right there. There's a Bible right there. There's a Bible right there. There's a Bible, right there, there's a Bible there, there. Every one of these guys has a Bible. And that was the pilgrims. They kept that book with them. And they checked the book to see what the book said. And and the same thing when you look, uh, for example, with the, the pilgrims landing. This is getting off the Mayflower. This is the famous painting that hangs in the rotunda. And these are the pilgrims. Look at that Bible they got right there. See that Bible they've got there? Now, that's, that's a pretty good-sized Bible. And, and I will point out. That Bible right there is what's called the world's first pocket Bible. So (laughs) you see how big that is? That is not small. Uh, We actually have one. This is from 1599. This is that pocket Bible. And it's a pocket Bible because all Bibles prior to this were called pulpit Bibles, and they literally were chained to the pulpit of churches. So this Bible right here, when you open it up, it's a Bible, except on the outside margins, it's full of all these notes. And these notes are commentaries that, man, for a thousand years, we've been doing it wrong. We haven't had the Bible for a thousand years. It's been chained to the pulpit of churches. Now that we've got it back, look how wrong we are in economics. Look how wrong we are in education. Look how wrong we are on private property. And, and they went through all of these things. And, and so this is this is the book that these guys spent time in. And, and their their governors, William Bradford, others, talk about how that it was common for them to spend hour two hours three hours a day in the book going through and seeing and so as you look at the pilgrims these are the guys who transformed these are the guys who gave us the free market system uh the economic system used by the by jamestown They were socialists because that's what everybody in Europe was. Everybody had a king. You had a king or a queen, which means big government, which means the government's in charge, which means you work for the government. The government will give you back what they want you to have. Pilgrim said, no, 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 that's not the way we do this. And they specifically quoted 1 Timothy 5.8, and they quoted 2 Thessalonians 3.10 as the basis of moving to that free market system. And when they did, in only two years, their productivity increased sevenfold. We've been a free market nation since the beginning. We're trying to be told we need to become a socialist nation. Uh, Right now, polling shows that 75% of college students and 71% of millennials think we should leave the free market and go to socialism. That's because we don't know our history. That has never worked. The only prosperous nations that exist are those that have gone to that free market system. And that's a biblical thing. So going back to the pilgrims, I mean, there's so much we can point to. And even this little book right here, this, this is their law code from 1650. So by 1650, these guys had written out their legal code, said, hey, here's the laws that govern our colony. And in this book right here, they address slavery, and they quote Exodus 21, 16, and say, we will have no slavery in this colony. Look what the Bible says about slavery. That's not what Jamestown said. Jamestown had slavery. And this book right here says, you know, God wants every single person to know his word, so we're going to start public schools. And so public schools start right here, 1642, 1647 of the two laws, and they they teach and it wasn't being done in Europe, they teach boys and girls because everyone needs to know God's word. It's interesting, this backwater colony of Massachusetts, the highest literacy rate for women in the world at that time was over in Massachusetts. It wasn't in France, it wasn't in Paris or or London or all the famous places, it was in Massachusetts because we taught girls to read and boys to read. We taught everybody to read so they'd know the Bible. I mean, the, the stuff the pilgrims did is revolutionary and we don't even think about what Thanksgiving is about. We we kind of forget that it's a celebration of the pilgrims. Oh, it's a celebration of the traditional American way of life that the sixteen nineteen project wants to destroy. And, and that's a good reason to remember what Thanksgiving is all about.
1: I want to I want to go back to something that, and maybe flip the page into another another part of this story. And uh, we, I, I jokingly mentioned Snoopy earlier, but I, if, <laughs> if, as I look through that. Uh, Uh, peanuts cartoon in my mind charlie brown um they celebrated with native americans uh and and that sort of thing now and and i want to draw a corollary and i don't want to get too far off track there are those today who are supporting the nation or or the palestinian people and hamas because um and and this whole thing that we did occupy or occupied occupied and thing we did with the letter to america from osama bin laden uh and and how you know america is and always has been an oppressor and we've driven people out of their land and I won't go into the the era uh, of Jackson and that sort of thing um, explain to us a little bit these these people that landed in Northern Virginia Plymouth uh, at 1620 what does that look like uh, early on uh, obviously they came here for religious freedom. What's the relationship with the Native Americans? Did they come here to destroy these people, uh, strip their strip them of their land, and shove them off into the greater expanse of the unknown, or was there a slightly different uh, version of that story?
2: Yeah, great, great question. And I'm going to contrast that again with Jamestown because Jamestown is the way Europe thought. And, and so these folks from Jamestown get here; they have a charter from the king. The king is their leader. They serve the king. They work for the king. The king has sent them over through the Virginia Company, and and so they're here. And when they arrive, what they do is they tell the Indians, hey, you're living on the king's land. And actually, if you look at a map back then, you will find that the the colony of Virginia went from the Atlantic to the Pacific. It went from, from Canada to Mexico. All of that was considered Virginia. And so they announced, Indians, you're the king's subject. You're on the king's land, (laughs) and the king has sent us over here. You need to supply us with food. And so they go, at the Indians that you need to supply us. And the first two years, the Indians— Good neighbors. They supplied food. The cool. the the uh, Jamestown folks, they were not good neighbors. They demanded Indian food from the Indians. The Indians supplied it willingly. Pocahontas led the delegation for those two years to bring them food throughout the winter. On the third year, they said, we want our food. And they said, hey, we're having a hard time feeding our own tribe. You guys are going to have to go to work at some point. Uh, we're not going to feed you this time. And so the Jamestown people started wars against the Indians. They kidnapped Pocahontas and held her hostage until they would bring them food. I mean, they were bad neighbors, all the way bad neighbors, but it's because they would not work for themselves. They went through what was called the starving time because they refused to work. They wanted somebody else to supply them, give them stuff. And and they, they, they went into that winter with 490 colonists. They came out of it with only 60 colonists. They would not work. They starved to death because they would not work. Now, you take the Pilgrims, on the other hand, the Pilgrims landed, they were late getting out of, of London, late getting out of Holland, uh, had 66 days on the ocean, it was rough every day on the ocean, and they get here in December of 1620, and landing in Massachusetts in December of 1620, and all the 66 days of bad weather, all their food is rotted, and it's spoiled, and it, it's just, it's it's not consumable, and they've landed with a bunch of folks And they don't have enough food for them. And you sure can't grow anything in December in Massachusetts. So they get there in the cold and it's cold on the inside of the ship. It's cold on the outside of the ship. Um, They spent the winter mostly inside the ship. They were building during the day, but they live inside and it was frigid cold. And it was was a tough winter. They lost half the people that first winter just from how rough it was. They did not meet a single Indian. The Indians had sense enough to be in their villages and be warm and have food. The pilgrims are trying to get established. So it's the next spring, the first Indian they meet, a guy named Somoset. And Samoset speaks a little English. He said, hey, I know a guy that speaks good English. He brings him Squanto. Squanto then takes the pilgrims and mentors them. And he brings them to Chief Massasoit. And the pilgrims say, look, we've been here all winter. We don't know whose land this is, but we know it's not ours. And we would sure like to buy some if somebody would have any to sell. Is there some arrangement we can reach where we can live together and we can have land? and, And would you sell us land or tell us where we can go to get land? And so it's interesting. The pilgrims respected private property, and they weren't this government thing that said the government gave it to us. They were private property. And it's significant that the longest lasting treaty between any Anglos and any native tribes were the pilgrims. The Pilgrims respected private property. They wouldn't take it. Uh, Even when the treaty was broken 54 years later, it was the Indians who broke the treaty. And the Pilgrim governor said, look, we have a title deed to every square foot of property we own. Now, what the Indians said is, well, our kids shouldn't have sold it to you because now we don't have enough. We're going to attack you and take it back. Well, that doesn't change the fact you sold it earlier. So the Indians actually attacked to take the land back that they had sold, but they had sold it. So the pilgrims did a really good job of trying to abide by, and that's why you have that long-lasting treaty. So it, it's a real different story when you look at the relationship between the pilgrims and, and the, the, the the Wampanoag Indians. And by the way, when you come to that first Thanksgiving, which is the second winter, it, they're coming in that second fall, that's when we have the famous Thanksgiving. And in that Thanksgiving, if the Indians had trouble with the pilgrims, it would have been really easy to wipe them out because there were only 51 pilgrims at that Thanksgiving celebration. There were 90 Indian braves. The 51 Mm. pilgrims counted the women and the children. There was only about 22 or 23 men. And if you've got 90 braves against 22 or 23 greenhorn colonists, That ain't going to last very long, but they stayed together three days and the Indians brought so much of the food and, and taught them all these, these games and how to hunt and Squanto had taught them how to live off the land there in Massachusetts. So it's a great relationship they have for literally for decades and decades and decades. Uh, the war finally starts, interestingly enough, over Christian missionaries when the war started 54 years later because the Christian missionaries said and they were Moravians, and Moravians, um, really great group of missionaries. They're probably the least intrusive group out there. They just try to go in with the people and blend with them. They dress like Indians. They looked like Indians. They lived among the Indians, and they said, hey, you know, when you capture enemy tribes, you really shouldn't be torturing these guys before you kill them, uh, and, and literally they would uh, – they describe the tortures. They are barbaric. They they would just make you throw up to hear some of the stuff. And the the Indians said, "Hey, you're trying to change our customs. We're going to kill all these missionaries." And that's what started the war. Was they didn't want to give up their their barbarism on the way they treated enemy tribes. And so it wasn't even land that started the war. Although they wanted some of the land back that their great great grandkids had sold, it was a cultural thing that happened. And people don't understand that today. So as it turned out the pilgrim culture won because we don't gut people anymore before we kill them <laughs> which is what right. they were doing right. to the tribes back then. So there's there's just so many good things that happened with the pilgrims that we don't hear and when we hear Thanksgiving today it is not about what happened or about the good relationships or the the great the great stuff that was happening it's just not that and it needs to be
0: there are a couple of quotes that come to mind uh as you were speaking and i'm i don't want to butcher them so i'm going to give you the sort of the synopsis of them, and i'm sure you know them uh george orwell uh, once wrote that those who control the past control uh the, the future uh karl marx said a a people without a common identity are are basically easily governed or easily easily overrun um as we we're here in 2023 we're talking thanksgiving we've mentioned the peanuts uh charlie brown special multiple times but there you know even for me coming up on on my 29th birthday i think the and that wasn't a that wasn't a drop of anything it got thanksgiving has changed in my lifetime um significantly and maybe it's because i was a kid but I remember being a kid in kindergarten first grade public school we would we would celebrate a Thanksgiving meal on the Wednesday before we left for break right we would and even in kindergarten and first grade some would dress as pilgrims and some would dress as the native americans and you you would learn about that first Thanksgiving and and someone would get to be Squanto and someone would right you learned that now it appears that a uniquely christian american traditional holiday is so much of a faux pas that we avoid the fact, and I posted this on social media last year. That the number of presidents, especially early on, who identified Thanksgiving as a Christian holiday, uh, you won't hear that uttered this year uh, from from the White House. You just won't, and that's not a personal shot. I think it's just a statement of fact.
2: Um, this a, a statement of fact. It goes um, this. You mentioned Hamas earlier, so. How we get from pilgrims to mosques, I don't know, but I'll just <laughs> there's, tell there's you, the there, there's there's a lot of commonality there in that most Americans are not aware, and they're shocked at what's going on with all the the college demonstrations in favor of mosques and against Jews, and we didn't know there's this and much anti-Semitism. Hey, news alert: there are 1,100 campus events a year. 1,100 different campuses a year have an anti-Israel day on campus. That is part of the campus calendar, part of the campus event. Why are we surprised that campuses are coming out anti-Israel and pro-Hamas? Because we're teaching that now. Most most parents have no clue because they're they're not pro-Hamas and they're not anti-Israel. Colleges are. In the same way, the colleges, in the same way, are anti-settler, anti-Pilgrim. They're 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 anti what they call colonialism. And colonialism is not what what america did that's that's what great britain did that's what france did that's what spain did we didn't have colonies we were the colonies we're we're the ones who became in from colonialism and so they keep saying we're the we're the colonialists and and so they they portray the pilgrims as oppressors and it's interesting uh, you mentioned orwell orwell if you take it back there's a guy in the the 1950s 60s and 70s he wrote a book in the 80s howard zinn And Howard Zinn is really the originator of what's called deconstructive history Mm -hmm. and is tearing America down. You teach history in a way that tears America down. He did that. He trained all the professors back then. And that's what's common today. Uh, If you take AP U.S. history courses, which all 50 states have that, uh, there's 460,000 kids a year who go through that. They get college credit while they're in high school. They use Howard Zinn's book. And Howard Zinn's book on the history of the American people is one of the worst propaganda books ever written. It's worse than 1916. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're still using today. And so he goes through there and he says, every, he says there's more than 400 treaties made between the government Indians and the government broke every one of those treaties. Not so, not by a long shot. Matter of fact, we have a book called The American Story where we go back and take the original documents of both sides and put them there and we'll show the good, the bad, the ugly, both sides. The deal is, People have make mistakes and people are good. They're, they're both. And it's not tribes that are good. It's not races that are good. It's not languages that are good. It's people, and it depends on what God's done in your heart. If God hadn't done something in your heart, you're probably not going to be the person you ought to be. If God's done something in your heart, you will be that person. And if you're biblical, you're going to be a much better person than the non-biblical Jamestown people. And that's just pretty much the story. So you'll find really good tribes who kept their word. You'll find really bad tribes who broke their word regularly. I live here in Texas. We were surrounded by Comanches, Kiowas and Apaches. They were terrible at keeping their word with other tribes. They wouldn't even keep their own treaty with other Indians. They they broke every treaty. I mean, that's who they were. So it's not a matter of race. And that's what college is trying to do is make this a racial issue that Anglos are all bad and, and Native Americans are all oppressed. That's not it. Uh, we have a sin nature, and it's whether we have that sin nature under control or not, and that's the whole story of history. And that's what we used to teach. It's not about races or, or groups or ethnicities or re- geographic regions. It's about the philosophy. And Jesus said, "You judge a tree by its fruits." Well, we can judge the Jane- Jamestown Colony, we can judge the Pilgrim Colony. One is biblical, and one's not. That's the story of the world, and that's just that's where it is. But that's not what's happening at campus. What's happening at campus? thanksgiving this thursday they call it on campus the national day of mourning grab that it's not thanksgiving day on camp just like they have hamas day it's the national day of mourning this is a day when we we regret all the evil that was done to all the innocent tribes who who were so pristine before we got here and those pilgrims came and ruined everything that's the same propaganda coming out of colleges today that we get on anti-israel stuff and parents should not be surprised that the culture is changing because they're sending their kids off and not paying attention to what their kids are being taught. And that's the stuff that's good. And we know because we're on campuses. We deal with the students all the time. We're on campuses all the time. We see it.
1: So George Washington, 1789, um, he orders this proclamation setting up what we know today is the National Day of Thanksgiving. Um, he sets a specific date. Now we know I believe it's the third Thursday of every month. I, I love this. His, it's his last uh, line, if you will, in the proclamation. He, he orders this day to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best it's fascinating that very at the very beginning i mean of course we go from the pilgrims to to the founding of america the establishment now after this great war that he mentions uh where we gain our independence george washington the founding, the founding father, if you will, uh, and I know there are other great ones. Um, he he says this is to promote true religion and virtue. So this is clearly I mean, I mean, clearly, a Christian holiday, That's but right. foul on the play. We've got to get rid of that now. It's got to be a national day of mourning. And so yeah, that it is, is it, the di- dichotomous relationship we see here. It is
2: so opposite. And, and by the way, I, I think it's fair to contrast the fact that in, in New England, They not only had an annual day of Thanksgiving and it started with the pilgrims to 1621, every, every season thereafter, they set aside in the fall a day to thank God for all the bounty and pray for all the the coming next year. Well, when they had that, that famous Thanksgiving with the Indians, the very next spring, they had a drought. And so they're going into it. Squanto has now taught them how to live off the land, but they don't have any rain. If they don't have any rain, they're not going to have any grain or corn or feed or anything else. And it's going to be really bad. And so the pilgrims called for a day of prayer and fasting, humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And they called for that, and that was in March of that year, and it had not rained, and they needed rain. And it's interesting, in the pilgrims' records, it said that they they knelt down, they fasted, they prayed, they spent the day in prayer. And they said that a little cloud, just a small cloud, came over their crops <laughs> that were just sprouting. And that small cloud grew to a bigger crowd, and, it, and that cloud rained softly all day on them. And they said after that rain and that rejuvenated their crops and they had a good harvest. They said the Indians came to them and said, "We want to learn that prayer. Whatever prayer you prayed, we never <laughs> get that great. kind. We never get that kind of rain in the spring. It always has storms in the spring. It always beats our crops down. You got a gentle rain." And so actually, some of the natives became Christians just watching the miracle of that. So what that started was. In New England, you had an annual day of Thanksgiving in the fall, but you had an annual day of fasting, humiliation, prayer Mm -hmm. in the spring. So in April, and still to this day in Massachusetts, April the 15th is the annual day of fasting. Now, nobody up there knows that, but that's that's still their state holiday, and they have an annual day of fasting, humiliation, prayer, and then in the fall, you thank God for all the things he's done. So you put the time in and fasting and praying, and then you put the time in and thanking God, and from that developed the national tradition that that Washington started nationally, because this was not a tradition down in the Southern colonies. In Jamestown, they didn't have days of Thanksgiving like this. That was very rare. In the New England, every New England colony, whether it was New Hampshire or whether it was Maine or Vermont or Rhode Island, they, they all had that. And so by the time you get to 1815, there had been 1,500 government-issued calls to prayer, days of Thanksgiving. We own about 900 of those rituals here in the library around us. So there's a lot of that, but it was not going on in the South. But George Washington made it part of the South. He said, no, 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 the whole nation needs to acknowledge yeah. God. And so that 1789 Thanksgiving, he starts, he said, it's the duty of, of a people to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, be grateful for his benefits, to implore his, hum, his forgiveness. I mean, he goes through this great start. And so that's what starts the national holiday of Thanksgiving. But it's not a set day yet. Uh, as you get into the 1830s, a lady named Sarah Goaty Hale, she she ran what was called Goaty's Lady Magazine, which was the big women's magazine of the day. She said, we need to have every state having a day of Thanksgiving on the same time every year. And she started pushing for that. And she got Abraham Lincoln to buy into it. And so Abraham Lincoln said, hey, the four, fourth Thursday of, of of November should be Thanksgiving Day. And from that, we codified that with, with law later on uh, under later presidents. But that's where it came from, was back to the pilgrims. And George Washington, who was a very devoutly religious guy, said, you know, we don't do this in the South, but everybody needs to do this. Right. And that's where it became a national holiday. And it's a great history. And, and so, you know, that that eight, 1789 proc you read, that's a good one for everybody to look up and read. It tells you a whole lot about what their thinking was at the day and how they saw uh, an acknowledgement of God. And as Washington said, it's our duty to God. This is something we owe God. This is not about us. This is about right. him. And that's what Thanksgiving was.
0: I think the the book of Psalms, uh, David, I can't even count the number of times where David in the Psalms talks about giving thanks or uh, throughout the old Testament, God talks about it at, at, at our church right now. We're going through, it's a little dated, but a lot haven't gone through the truth project with Del Tackett. So we're going through right. that as well. And he's, Paint a picture of that history is important because how many times does God call his people to remember, to set up memorial stones and to look back at the work of God and what he's done? I think it's so important by the way uh april 15th for many is still a day of prayer and humiliation <laughs> fasting uh, uh i don't give you. the
1: reason for that uh like, I, I, by I, the, the way <laughs> april the 15th yeah. in massachusetts is now patriot's day um yeah. w- which is another great great holiday but it, it, it's fascinating how as time goes on oh, yeah. whether intentional or not we we cover these dates <clears> like a day of morning fasting and prayer is now patriot's day great great holiday but it's like we we also ought to be morning and fasting and filling great. the day with yeah. prayer
0: there's uh before we close out here and this is this has been great we could go for hours um you you mentioned you mentioned the book um american story i have it it's on my it's on my stand i'm i i started reading it just the other day and i'm like wait i haven't finished another book let me go finish an actual another book that i'm reading and, and then start yeah. with this one but I've, I've gotten far enough in it uh not very far but you talk about that golden thread and so uh, just give a, a quick synopsis of the book and how people can get their hands on it.
2: Golden yeah. thread is actually God's providence in history. How many times God intervened to make something go in a different direction? Yeah. It was headed off track, and he pulls something and pull it back on, um, particularly in the American revolution, just the number of dramatic miracles. I mean, not, not coincidence, but genuine miracles that everybody at the time acknowledged that was, that was a God deal. Uh, You know, just a a quick one in in the Battle of Yorktown, um, you've got George Washington facing uh, the, the British. He surprised the British. They don't know he's there. So they've walked into his ambush. And Washington is going to have trouble winning because he's outnumbered. So a storm came and the storm sank half the British troops and it didn't touch any of the American troops. And so the storm sank half the British troops. So now Washington has to face only half of what he was going to face before. And he wins the battle because he's got more guys than they do. But it didn't start that way. And it was the weather. And so there are so many battles where the weather was what won the battle. not And, and the weather came out of nowhere. And the the British commander said it was clear skies and the storm came up and dumped our boats and we lost half our guys. That kind of stuff is what you look at and say, Hey, that that's a God fingerprint. And Mm -hmm. so the providence of God, the founding father said no difficulty talking about that. George Washington, 250 occasions talks about how that was God's finger, God's providence that changed the course and changed the battle and changed the outcome. So being able to, once you start seeing God, you'll see God more often. The more often you recognize God, the more often God's going to let you see what he's doing. And that's the way it was throughout, uh, you know, the, the contrast. I'm going to pull this up real quick. This is in that that book you talked about, The American Story. It's kind of hard to see, but if you can tell across the top, this is the pilgrims. This is the Bible. And it went all across yeah. America. Over here is 1619,
1: yeah. and it
2: did affect these southern states. But they're trying to say that this is all of America. No, the Bible is what made America this This was a problem for a period of time because of the philosophy they introduced, but the Bible eventually overcame that as well. And and so the American story is a good place to see the contrast between the the Jamestown mentality and the Pilgrim mentality. I'll just challenge everybody you need to be a pilgrim. You don't need to be a Jamestown guy. You you Mm -hmm. need to be in the Bible. You need to be in God's word. You need to be like the pilgrims, find out how to apply the Bible to every aspect of life, spend time in it. Don't just profess Christianity and go to church. I mean, know the book, put the book to use. And that's what's made America special. And that's what that, and that, by the way, was a school chart in 1888. This is what we were teaching our kids back then is what made the America great was the Bible, and it was those pilgrims who brought the Bible. It, it wasn't the professed Christianity. It was the living the Christianity, and that's a good challenge for Thanksgiving is live this stuff out. Know the Bible and put it in active use.
0: It certainly is. Awesome. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, David, your time and, yeah. and coming on. We actually short noticed this. This was a passing thought for me over a weekend, thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great? We just heard his talk a couple weeks ago to get him on uh, to our audience that may not have been able to be in the Midlands that day. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours down there in the uh in the great nation state of Texas.
2: And uh we
0: look forward to seeing you again real soon.
2: Thank you, David. Well said. we appreciate that being a nation state. you guys you can move to Texas anytime you want to. That's the right attitude. We need that yeah. attitude here.
1: That's right. That's right. You can visit David's website, wallbuilders.com. And uh, pick up that book, The American Story, as well as several other of his great books. David, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Appreciate it. It's always good to be with you. Bless you guys.
0: Have a good one. And that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show.